0: Good afternoon uh welcome to what comes next live at our regular slot of tuesday 5 pm uh, this week's guest is joe cook of light moments hi joe
1: hi lovely to be here thank you for inviting me
0: well um, i'm very glad to have you we met i think after the pandemic started when our mutual friend julie driver who was on a couple of weeks ago um was running events and we were just kind of going okay what are we for facilitators and others and what do we do um now we can't be in the same room as people and it became pretty obvious pretty quickly that so a lot of these very experienced british facilitators and for me as a relative newbie to britain the last few years says the the guru on this is joe cook in terms of (laughs) virtual learning so I'll let you talk more about what you do, but you've been in the space of, of using virtual methods and tools for learning in uh, for many years. And so, starting in about March 2020, very suddenly, there must have been a lot of ch- both challenges and opportunities. And even though know, I've not spoken for, for for a while, so I'm just really interested in hearing for our audience what your background is, what you've been up to, what you are up to now. And I'm sure there will be lots of uh, ideas and spe- specific in general that people can take from the conversation. So I thank you to. very much for coming on. Um, oh, guru.
1: <laughs> I'm not sure about that, but thank you. Um, <laughs> so you're absolutely right. I've been working in virtual classrooms, webinars, live online learning, kind of digital learning interventions since 2013 so nearly a decade which is a bit scary and before that my background was largely L&D that's another story but can come back to that and obviously as you say March 2020 some pandemic stuff hit a kind of global population fan and suddenly pretty much everyone was at home and everybody was either working from home or learning from home, obviously a lot of people on furlough but still maybe learning from home because a lot of people came into new skills and doing all that kind of stuff. So my job is, uh, and the whole point of my company, Lightbulb Moment, is to help teams of people to design and deliver really good virtual classrooms and webinars. So not the kind of stuff where you suddenly go, I'm going to log my email in or kind of go and look at Facebook and just sort of listen to it in the background. It's definitely the stuff where you go after an hour God, I didn't realize an hour had disappeared. I haven't (laughs) checked my email once Uh, and I felt like I've learned loads. Maybe I've had a laugh. Um, And it's that kind of experience I want people to have. And you're absolutely right. In 2020, things went a bit crazy uh, for me uh, and my company. And it was really great, though, to help so many people Mm -hmm. when they were panicking and going, I have never done this before. I have no clue, no idea where to start. But for whatever reason, I must deliver this training. Maybe it's compliance. Maybe it's a legal thing. Maybe it's keep their business afloat, whatever it might be. Mm. So some fun times and some changes over the last 10 years, certainly.
0: Yeah. and, And the thing you were at the beginning, what you were talking about there, that absolutely fascinated me because we'll get into the specifics, the do's and don'ts and uh, many of the don'ts people have learned, but um, it still happens. You know, was, you you were early for the podcast and your tech was working. So like, you know, it's like, <laughs> and, and as you said it, well, if not me, then who? <laughs> um, but the thing you talked about was almost it's the difference between a yawn, multitask, do your emails at the same time, have it on in the background because I need to game the system and be doing my CBD And uh, what did what was actually there? I'll read it later. Um, or something where they go, wow, that was, that was cool. It was engaging, I think would be the word. Uh, because if an hour flies by, uh, I, mean, I went to the National Theatre and watched a pe- uh, production for two hours and 40 minutes last Saturday night, right? And it flew by. It flew by. So there's something about the production in a different sense. Yeah. It's, it's like, like facilitators often look at what well, they talk about energy management. Like, how do we manage the flow through the day? Um, so that, that's a fascinating piece is understanding that. And I guess with years of L and D background is like what works, what doesn't work. So I,
1: I promise I will not be wearing a tutu. That would not look good, but you're absolutely right about that energy management. What we need to do in, in a webinar, in a virtual classroom is have this energy. So it's a bit like it's, it's you and your personality. I mean, you've met me and chatted to me a number of times and, and I am me. But when I'm on a webinar, a virtual classroom, it's like I'm at volume 11 or it's me plus, Hmm. because you have to get that across. You have to get your personality across, your message across. You have to involve and engage people. And I often joke that it's coffee that keeps me going. And I'll be honest, even though it's like 5 p.m. I had a coffee before we came on this. (laughs) I just need to be pepped up and ready to go. But the real trick of of that engagement and of that passion and that energy is communicating and connecting with another person. And I've done videos where people are watching them later and and it needs to feel as good as that. Hmm. And Maybe it's not quite as good, but you certainly try and, and use all the same tricks. But being able to have a conversation with someone like we are now, and -hmm. whether that's somebody typing in a chat window or writing on a whiteboard or whatever it might be, that's where that interaction comes from. Even if you can't see someone on a webcam, Mm -hmm. even if you can't hear them or talk to them directly. So that's the important bit is that engagement, that interactivity.
0: Uh, I totally agree. And of course, the podcasts that I do aren't interactive. They are literally... (gasps) I know. They're
1: interactive between us and you are representative. Well, they are. It's, it,
0: that, that's, uh, you're but that's asking, you asked some great questions to me before we came on, like why am I doing this? And one of them is to, so people can see inside a conversation, because I feel like I have the privilege of talking to some really cool and amazing people, like Joe Cook. And um And it's great for people to see inside that. It's also interesting, you know, we've not actually met in person because we met in a pandemic and we live a couple hundred miles apart. So we meet on video and we do. And we've both got good home office setups. I don't have the tons of curved screens and and stuff that you do, (laughs) but uh, at least I upgraded mine like many did. Um, But it's interesting to know you you are turned up a little bit to 11 Mm. in talking to me now because there's an audience. Um, Yeah. And I I think I probably do that a little bit, but I'm unconscious around it. So that's a a great first tip. Turn yourself up a bit to 11 because you don't have the actual presence in the room with people. You can mostly use intonation and, and to some extent... Like I'm just doing for the, for the radio audience, using my hands and <laughs> <laughs> making sure that, that there's enough of me in the screen that if I use my hands, they can see it and that kind of thing.
1: Absolutely. And there's even some really simple things like maybe it's moving a webcam or I've got an, uh, sit stand elevator desk so I can stand up and it moves so like right now my desk is just a couple of inches lower so I'm a bit more in frame for the yeah. video yeah. Um, and it also means that if I use my hands I'm quite used to now kind of if I exaggerate it using my hands in front of my face because if I use them down my, my keyboard which is more natural you can't see it absolutely um, so it, it's little subtle things like that and even when I say you know you at volume 11 It doesn't have to mean, oh, I have to be bubbly like I perceive Joe to be. If that's not your personality, maybe you are more thoughtful or you are more reflective or you focus on better questions. or Whatever your kind of super skill is, that's the bit that goes up to 11. It doesn't mean fast or loud or any of those negative things that you could attribute to me. Um, it's about what to write for your audience you'll write for your message and write for you as a person as well so whatever that is still do it to volume 11
0: that's that's incredibly important and it's just so landed for me because it's whatever your superpower is that's be. i mean my late mentor ed percival um distilled 50 years of wisdom as a coach because he literally coached for 50 years in different forms to three words be more you and I think that's part of what you're saying, that virtual environment. Yeah, you and, have to
1: be authentic.
0: And and the interactivity, um, I big them up all the time. Um, there's an orga- a news media organization called Tortoise um, that I joined, uh, which really got going in the year before the pandemic. And they did something really unusual. They had what they called think-ins in their newsroom in London. So it made it London-centric. But it did mean you could actually come into the newsroom. And the idea- the rule was no questions at the time. You had to come in, state an opinion and, and, you know, get the mic and and then the guest would be there. So, I mean, you know, two or three weeks before the, the lockdown, I was in the newsroom in central London, post, you know, listening to Nobel laureate in economics, Paul Krugman, oh. talk to the editor. And the, I just had a thought I wanted to contribute. As did others. So eventually the mic came around to me and I got to, from the distance of about 10 feet, pose, pose a, a, put a thought out into the room to which Paul went, that's really interesting. It wasn't a question per se, but it was a thought. So when the lockdown came, they did brilliantly. And one of the, one of the things they did, which other people took a while to catch, catch onto was you've got to staff the chat, right? They actually had a couple, two people monitoring the chat, right? One of whom was it was talking in the ear of the, um, of the, of the, the editor and saying bring in Tom or bring in Joe or bring in somebody. Um, and, and the other one was engaging with the chat. Yeah. And, and, and it was just this intention and they would put it out there. They'd frame it at the beginning of the hour that this is in, that we have a panel and this is interactive because one of the things that, that got me to not tune into ones is they say what we're going to have is we're going to have a panel of four people. There'll be 10 minutes of Q and A at the end. Mm, because yeah. kind of Maybe it's, maybe it's, it's, just what I prefer, other people are not, not, not so much into that, but it's just the idea of it being interactive and engaging. And See, the last, last thought for me is assessment. that I, I had a, sorry, I'm rambling away, but I want to throw these at you because I know you'll come back with some cool stuff. Is I had a guest on a while ago called Lynn Pilkington and her huge thing is, is inclusivity. Mm. Um, and I'm aware that I'm the person who'll put my hand up and always have something to say. <laughs> there are a lot of people who <laughs> genuinely they'll only want to be in the chat so you have to offer the, like yep. if you want to come on do if you don't don't yep um, and there has to be just different ways in which people can feel engaged there must be multiple different ways and you've mentioned some of the tools so talk you know maybe talk about different ways to keep people engaged beyond turning your superpower up to 11 <laughs> um and Yeah. Your thoughts
1: on that? Well, I I think what you explained, the idea of of that interactivity and framing that is really important. So Mm. a really simple thing is sending an email to your participants ahead of time, setting expectations. Mm. We're going to be using chat and whiteboard or Mural or Padlet or whatever it is. We'd love your webcams to be on. And In my world, we understand if you don't, or if you want to switch it on and off. There's a lot of worlds where people must have them on, and that's a separate topic. Uh, I think that's an over-reliance on technology to see people when really it's all of the engagement people do in chat, whiteboards, breakout rooms, activities, quizzes, all of that builds a picture. And I think what you pick up nicely on with that moderator in that chat, this is something that my business partner, Michael, he's my producer in when we do virtual classrooms. Mm-hmm. And we only have 10 people in our virtual classroom. So it's not that busy, but he's still there to answer questions, anything technical. When we do live conferences, which could have 500 people online. Mm-hmm. He's there, A, answering questions that I'm never going to get to because I'm doing much more of a presentation. It's still interactive. But also we have a separate back channel. So we use Skype, but it could be Teams. It could be WhatsApp. Mm -hmm. And he'll pick out those comments and messages kind of in my ear like you've just been discussing. So I go, oh, Bob's got this great question and, and address it. Um, and those points, whether it's a virtual classroom with 10 people or a webinar with 500, they all have the same core of wanting to interact. Because if you're not going to interact with your audience, there is no point in them being there live with you. And they might as well watch a video, listen to a podcast, read a document. Um, and I think they're the key-
0: be honest, that bears repeating. I mean, if you're not going to be interactive, there's no point in being live. And how many evening things that i don't have kids at home or anything like this so i have free evenings a lot and i love learning and, and listening how many evenings have i been on that have been not remotely and not at all interactive and i'm going why am i sitting here at seven o'clock on a weeknight yeah but i could just choose to look listen to it later
1: when i could listen to this times two speed when i'm on a walk getting exercise or on an exercise bike or, you know, whatever your thing is. Mm. So um, I think they're really important because, so for instance, I'm into painting and drawing, and and I'm a a very, very amateur artist. Mm -hmm. And during the whole of the pandemic, I, I attended a few Zoom classes. They were great, obviously. I never once signed up to one of the video courses now some of them can be absolutely great and i'm sure i would learn things from them Mm -hmm. but what was missing from me was exactly the experience i had when i went on a drawing course on saturday which was saying how do i do this when the teacher comes around and goes your apple drawing looks really great i go thank you But I'm struggling with this and they can draw on my paper and so on. Now, -hmm. that might sound like an argument against virtual classrooms. and It's not Mm -hmm. an argument against not having interactivity, because otherwise I'm just sitting at home making the same mistakes again and again. If I'm just watching the video and I don't get to ask the question, Hmm. that's the point. If we're doing any kind of learning or behavior change kind of intervention, that's the point of the interactivity. And that, thats the point of seeing people. Um, and you're absolutely right about that accessibility. And that's in the technical sense of what if you have a another issue, um, and it could be cognitive, it could be physical. You know, Susie Miller. If you go and look her up on LinkedIn, she's absolutely the person to go and have a look at with regards accessibility. But there's the accessibility in the sense of learning how I want to learn. Mm. So I think the design and the facilitation is about giving people the opportunity to interact within reason that are in a way that's right for them. So there might be activities where I say, okay, everybody write on the whiteboard, Hmm. but that's still acknowledging somebody might put three words and somebody might put three paragraphs. Or when I say to people, you know, please unmute and tell me some more. But you can click the red X or say no on camera if you don't want to. That's no problem. Mm-hmm. And 99 times out of 100, people will unmute and will talk about something, even if it's something out of their comfort zone or if it's not quite what they wanted to do. Uh-huh. They might do it quickly. They might speak softly. They might just add a few words and I'll thank them for it and they get off. But it's about giving people that opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they want to stay in chat, great be happy and chat if they don't like typing if they're on a tablet and it's hard to type on there Mm. great get on audio but it's having the the mix and the opportunity is important
0: so the framing uh, and also you know the language that could be used around that is just having people feel safe you know it's not it's not not so much the psychological safety but it's just you know that that phrase but it's just that they feel oh i'm comfortable and you then mentioned that when you're doing so if we move and you talk about behavior shifts and stuff, so that could be in terms of um, that definitely has to create a space of safety. Um, and you're looking at groups of 10. I used to find in the live world when we were doing.
1: Oh, I'm going to pick you up on that. Just a second. Cool. In the live world or in the face to face world?
0: Face to face world. Thank okay. you. Thank you for correcting my. That's OK. That's my, okay. Absolutely okay. perfect. But in the in the face to face world. Um, yeah, I have absolutely right. Um, I used to find my optimum group size was, was no more than 12. Okay. Yeah. In fact, 10 to 12 is great. It just yep. seems to work. Uh, if it was much smaller, it might be too intense. If it was much bigger, it's just more challenging to find the balance between sometimes delivering material to people and stopping, pausing, having them sit at tables and do things. And um, a, a quick share is that um, I, I su- support each year a, a Canadian national charity. And, um, long story behind that because I'm in the UK, but I'd fly out to Toronto and they'd all fly from all over this massive country from West Coast to East Coast and different provinces. And this was a, this is a Canadian pulmonary fibrosis foundation. So a lot of these people are carrying oxygen tanks. Yeah. Right. Um, and so they get together because that was the paradigm. We then six, less than two months into the, the, the lockdown with massive advanced planning. Um, to make sure it flowed between the chair, the executive director and myself, we ran the whole thing over a day and a half on Zoom. Wow. And a bunch of them who are older and retired had never used Zoom much. They'd used it a bit because they had to very quickly, but they'd never used breakout rooms. And what I found immediate learning was that sometimes breakout rooms can be more effective than having people all sit in the same room at round tables. They just felt, they felt a privacy around that, you know?
1: What was different? What, what was more effective?
0: It it was that they felt in a tighter group. If there were, say, three to four of them in each breakout room and there, were, there was only 10 odd people, mm. compared to them all being in a conference room at an airport hotel in Toronto, right, with three round tables, right? It felt different. Um, they learned so much, just as an aside, they, they took so much from that, that experience that they've become a virtual first organization. Love it. And every one of their chapters and groups all around this massive geography that is Canada has, you know, paid for Zoom subscriptions at professional level from the organization uh-huh. and training uh, through specialists in terms of how to use it. So they don't actually have to get in their car with their oxygen tank to oh. go meet people. Yeah, so about
1: accessibility. So I support, um, the EDS charity, Ellis Danlos Syndrome, because mm. uh, I have Ellis Danlos Syndrome. Mm. And that gives you, it can, on the, the low end, it's muscle pain, fatigue, tiredness, that kind of thing. On the high end, I've got a friend who has congenital heart failure. So there's quite a range within that. And what you're describing, that idea of flying across the country with an oxygen tank, that to me screams uncomfortable, Yes. <laughs> it screams challenging. But at home, on my sofa, at my kitchen table, at my office chair in my study, hmm. with my oxygen tank next to me, Is so much more comfortable and so much more accessible and quite frankly cheaper and it's greener as well. Mm. So there are all those really good reasons to do that. um, And without having to get face to face. Um, And that's why I wanted to pick up on that term live. It's it's a tiny bit pedantic, but the reason being the work that I do is live online learning. It's a virtual classroom or a webinar where we're together and reacting from each other. Yes, there might be a recording and and that can be great quality. Mm -hmm. But the idea of that conversation, the learning from each other, the questions, the discussion and so on. The key element is the live and that differentiates it from e-learning or video learning or something like that. And face-to-face is still live, but that's really subtle but important. It's, um, it's a um,
0: massive difference because I, I could readily consider virtual to be um, a bit of a woolly term. It could be live or or recorded. Yeah. Um, but your very clear distinction. Now, I'm not when I do facilitation and sessions like that. It's not my main gig. Right? I work one-to-one with people often on Zoom like this. Um so I've not committed the time into – because honestly, I've not done terribly much of it. And it was mostly face-to-face. So I've not done terribly much of it in the last couple of years. So the – and you already had a lot of these tools. And I remember you sharing them with a group of facilitators when, when Julie was running her sessions. Um, so what I've also encountered is when I've been on different sessions, they they rarely – in larger groups, which are the sort of events I tend to show up at, and quite appropriately, they rarely will give full interactivity for using tools. They might have a poll here and there, right, um, with an app, often with a QR code, etc. But when you start, to, just as an example, when you talk about whiteboards, and um, I can't remember the name of it, but there was one the other day I was on with a relatively smaller group where they just put up uh, like almost like a Google Doc, but not a Google Doc, and you you hit a QR code and you could use it, and you could punch stuff in there, and you could. All give your thoughts, almost like whiteboarding, but in a different app. Yeah. Um, what are the? I mean, what are two or three of the things that you can that you that you do use that make the live virtual learning more effective? And and perhaps if you can just name a couple of the tools yeah. that people listening to this could actually go, oh, I'll go look that up. Yeah. Absolutely. So <laughs> Including me, I'll go look them up.
1: <laughs> there's two ways to answer that question. One is examples of actual tools. Yeah. So, uh, for example, Padlet is a really good one. Um, And the reason I love Padlet is you've got sticky notes that you can put on a website. Uh, You can set them up as columns or stories. You can move them around. You can give people edit rights on them and stuff like that. You can set stuff up beforehand. You can use it like a whiteboard. What's the the name of that?
0: that? I just spelled it.
1: Padlet, P-A-D-L-E-T, Padlet. And the reason I use that, I I did some investigation recently about, because obviously there's loads of competitors in the market. There's Mural, Miro, Jamboard, WooClap, Slides. Mentimeter, there are so many different things, hmm. and I looked at a load of them, but every single one required you as an attendee on my session to create and log into an account. Padlet hmm. didn't. As long as I set the um, uh, the access up correctly, anybody who has the link can contribute. Now, yeah, that's a security risk, absolutely but how many people are going to guess a very big long URL um, of a website address? But what it means is it removes the access barrier for you. Mm -hmm. The other software I use quite a lot is Mentimeter Mm -hmm. uh, on menti.com. A lot of people have used that and that's, might have been your qr code example and it runs a little bit like powerpoint you can actually create a whole presentation in that but the idea of the interactivity with that is for um word clouds for quizzes for contributions of different things i like that on the more webinar style events because there you can display it quite interestingly it's easier for people to contribute to than just the chat window if Your software doesn't have much else that it can do. And conference software can be a bit more limited. That gives you those options. But the other thing it's really good for is if you're doing any hybrid events. Hmm. Um, So we did a hybrid event last year where we had audience in Berlin, audience online. And we use Mentimeter so that if you were in Berlin and you had your phone, you contribute. If you're online, you have the browser and you contribute. But they go into one screen that's shared in Berlin, live online, and everybody's got one place they're contributing rather than separating those audiences. It was a way to bring the audiences together. Um, So they're the two kind of main things I use. And there are other options.
0: um, It's just M-E-N-T-E-E.
1: M-E-N-T-I-M-E-T-E-R dot com, I think. Um, And so they're the two main ones I use but there's Mural, M-U-R-A-L, there's... Um,
0: Miro, you
1: say, yeah. Yes, uh, I have just completely forgotten the other ones that I wanted to yeah, say. But,
0: but Padlet and Mentimeter were...
1: Yeah, there's um, also Jamboard is a Google one. Oh, mm-hmm. Miro, that was the other one, or Miro, M-I-R-O, another good one, and Lino, it Linoit, Linuit, I don't know how you pronounce it, L-I-N-O-I-T, that's another good uh, post-it note kind of activity one. Um, And they can all be great fun that you can use and really uh, useful for people contributing and having different types of activities Hmm. and projects that go on beyond your one session. That can be really important as well.
0: Right. Yeah. The
1: other element that I want to bring to this is it's not all about necessarily having that tech. We have done I've done some research with PeopleStar with Jane Daly. We're, We're writing a report at the moment. And a lot of the problem people are having within their organisations is they aren't allowed to go and buy the tech. They aren't allowed to have a Padlet account. It's locked out for security reasons. IT have a a challenge with it because they've got to look at the security, procurement, have a problem. There's no budget, whatever those different things are. so a lot of the time they can't access some extra technology. So then it's about being creative with what you've got. And Teams is a really good example. As a guest on Teams until very recently, I think it's changing. You don't have access to a whiteboard. Literally, you've got chat. That was it when I first started a couple of years ago. It was like, crikey, I've got no whiteboard. I've got no polls, which they're in there now. Um, it's just like I didn't have breakout rooms at first. It's like talk about going back to basics. But then you've got to be creative with your questions, with how you get people interactive and, and what you're doing in the session. So it doesn't feel like please type in chat, please type in chat, please type in chat, um, because nobody wants that monotony of that interaction. So mm. it's much more about being creative and intentional than it is about the next flashy piece of tech. I,
0: I think this is brilliant because you've mentioned some of the tech and some of the tools. But broadly, what we've been talking about is framing intention and what is it we're looking to achieve and then solving the problem from that. And early on in the lockdown, one of the best business coaches I've ever met, who shall remain nameless for obvious reasons, who's a fantastic presenter and does a lot of face-to-face presenting, I sat in on a one-hour interactive webinar that that they ran. I'm
1: sensing interactive in quotes.
0: Air quotes just went in the air from Joe there with a hands (laughs) held at visual level for the the podcast audience. Um, and what they did was exactly that type in chat, talk, 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 type in chat. They had not, they didn't use breakouts. They, and 80%, 85% I would say of the time was spent delivering Mm. very little on engaging with other people. And you know, my, if, if your context is engagement, Right, that that drives a lot, and um, one of the one of my do nots for organisers as a participant is do not lock the chat on
1: yeah. Zoom.
0: Oh. <laughs> do Not lock it so you can only uh message the panel or the in tortoise is a great example they have a lot of you know the membership's not hugely expensive it's 50 60 quid a year to be a member um and they have a lot of great content and i'm a huge ambassador um but what it means is when they have their think-ins, and sometimes they have to lock them at 200 people but typically it's 150 200 people um there is this open chat and sometimes entirely different conversations can happen Plus, you're also allowed to direct message Um, so you can be able to chat to everyone is the key thing. And sometimes people go, I've actually sprung up conversations of people, um, you know, many, many times into DMs in the chat, which have then resulted in somebody I end up talking to later about something else. So we're looking at. So for me, connecting is another context. You know, if I used, to, I, I've, I've never been a fan of networking. I'm, I'm an introvert who's taught myself to be extroverted. Um, but if you put me in a conventional networking event, all I'm really, my, my thing is if I meet one interesting person tonight and I hear one interesting idea, that's it. I don't try to pass a business card around to 20 people. Oh, um, yeah. You know, Same when people ask me, what do you do? I say I wrestle elephants and see if that puts off puts <laughs> them off or if they're interested in having a real the conversation. The title the trunk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, whatever, or whatever. Or what does that mean? You know, even, but, um, you know, that's one of my do nots. So maybe you've got a few more do nots of um, virtual live okay. um, I- events.
1: So, first of all, make sure it is live and interactive. So <laughs> do not uh, make the mistake of thinking your audience are just going to sit there and listen to you. Yeah, Some yeah. might, but generally they won't. Do not lock the chat, like you say, because it cuts out a whole way of interacting. In interaction and engagement isn't just me listening to you, it's me being involved in the conversation or the side conversation. Um, do not turn up five minutes before your event and expect everything to work um and have no time to, to change anything. Do not assume that your face to face session of whatever that is, whether it's a, a lecture presentation or a a training facilitation session will work live online. It will not, it will be, it will be bad probably. Um, And do not underestimate that whilst you are a facilitator or a good presenter or whatever your skills are, that's amazing. Do not underestimate the fact that you need virtual skills and that's a skill set to put on top Mm. of what you have already.
0: Mm, Perfect. So given I'm a fan of positive language. Um, well,
1: you tell me do nots. not.
0: And I, just, I know I asked you for do nots. Um, just just I'll let you finish off with a few okay. closing thoughts and things to focus on, things to do.
1: OK, I'll do it in positive frame. Thank you. <laughs> um, I think the thing to focus on is, yes, virtual is different. Because we have this perceived barrier of technology between us, but actually that's enabling us Mm. to connect. And it's the connection with another human being or group of human beings and focusing on that, the interaction, the engagement. And and just cutting out superfluous information to focus on those learning experiences, Hmm. for somebody to be able to do something. And the virtual skills and the technology comes on top of the great work you do already. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's most definitely you can do it. It can be done. We've just got to have a little bit of learning and a bit of experience. And the more you do it, the more comfortable you get. You'll find that it's amazing and it can be as good as face to face and you can enjoy it. I promise
0: you can. Brilliant. So the three things I got there was it's it's about connecting human to human. It's about cutting out stuff or I definitely agree less is more when you're doing virtual. And it's about recognising, having the confidence to know that you can do this and Simply be open to learning new virtual skills to layer on top of your existing skill sets. Really uh, good film, right? I, I can say it's, it's been an absolute pleasure over the last couple of years being connected to you, uh, Joe, as a human to human. We do this all virtually and live. So yes. um, I'm very glad that uh, I've managed to get you on because this has a been a bit of a masterclass uh, <laughs> at a contextual level as to how to deliver virtual live learning experiences that are engaging, connecting and fun.